Let's go! Who's up next? Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Xbox Empire. It is I, your host, Kevin. And rejoining me again this week, finally, he's got a whole hour blocked off where he won't be interrupted, Mr. Donnie Reese. Might get fired for it, but greetings, Koopalings. Yep, I'm here. We are here. Donnie Donnie has turned his phone off. He said, no interruptions. It's an important night, so we're just going to get to it. Um, But before we dive into the show proper, we do have to thank, of course, our Patreon producers over at patreon.com slash PSVG. So special thank yous to our executive producers, Edwin Callow, Barry Cathcart, Josh the Bonesaw Barboni, Chris McElfresh, Devin Tyus, Kyle Heyman, Paul Calico, Mike Masick, The Egg Shen, Zach Bradshaw, and Nick. I have to say it this way. I'm sorry. Falhaba. How you doing, Nick? (laughs) So as you can see, we are joined by someone else. This evening, and it's somebody you may not be familiar with, but number one, you should be, and we'll tell you all about why you should be. But in case you're not, Chris Sumsky from Moonlight Kids is here this evening with us on the Empire. Good evening, Chris. Thank you. Good evening. Thanks for having me. I'm so, so excited. I'm going to jump in here. I'm so excited to have Chris. Uh, Chris, um, to give you a little backstory, how I found you guys, I think I stumbled across the Variety article or something. Maybe I feel like it was over okay. a year ago. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. been a while and it dawned on me and I'm going to let Kev get in here because uh, here's here's how this actually went down, Chris. I actually messaged Kevin because your game is right up Kevin's alley. And okay. I was like, Kevin, have you has anybody seen or heard of this game? Because <sighs> your the art style is striking. It is mm-hmm. uh, very, very good. I mean, I, I really love it. Um, I think a lot of people will. And uh, I'm very excited about it because it's it's kind of a. I was trying to think of the best way to say this. It's like primitive art style. It's like uh, like where the wild things are, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like like a song of the sea type thing. And yeah, I really yeah, I really love it. And I re I mean like I really love it. Um, every time I see your game in motion, I'm like, how is this not on more people's indie radars? <laughs> on um, on our Nintendo show, I'm constantly rattling off these indies that I track. I usually keep a list. I have about 25, 30 indies that I'm <laughs> keeping track of, picking up updates on, you know, trying to always report on. And on the Xbox side, it's your game and Tunic. You guys are at the wow. top of my list of the things yeah. that I'm constantly That's keeping track of. That's pretty good company. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so I was so excited the day that I found out that you guys had a Discord, and I popped in, and I was like, oh, this yeah. is cool. I can I can follow along. And then Chris and I met Kev, and I was like, if you ever get a chance or if you ever would like to, we would love to promote your game, and I'd love to talk to you about it because, uh, I mean, for me, it's the art style, but for Kev, what is it? it it's literally everything. So he sent it to me, <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't seen this thing. Let me see. And, and I read the article, and then I immediately searched for everything I can find. And, you know, we'll obviously give you time to explain it in your own words, but for, for people who are familiar with me and why it's striking with me, uh, art style as well, because I'm always appreciative of of a different take on game design. And this one looks and feels different for sure. But for me, from everything I see, this is Earthbound meets Luigi's Mansion meets Pikmin. And that is everything I love. And and I mean, Chris, I've been waiting for another Pikmin forever. 
And if you're going to fill in that gap, I'd be happy that, it, that you're the person to do it. Cause I, yes, just this game looks amazing to me. I, 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 once again, I don't know how more people aren't talking about it. It looks great. It's, it's unique. It's different. And that's everything I love. Like I'm, I'm known as the odd man out on PSVG with, you know, favorites like Katamari, Damacy, Chibi Robo, Earthbound, and everyone else kind of just rolls their eyes, but I'm like, no, these games are great. And this yeah. seems to be right in that same wheelhouse, which I, absolutely love just i mean no hands-on or anything folks i haven't played it just seeing it and, and hearing people talk about it and you talking about it on on xbox's stage uh was it e3 last year right yep so uh, in seeing it there and getting to the in-depth there it just made me fall in love with it right away so once donnie said like hey i think we're gonna get a chance to talk to chris i was like yes i'm doing it put me on you know put me in coach and donnie wow. of course obliged to do so that's awesome. You didn't know we'd been following you around trying to make your perfect game, did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> FBI just looking around with yeah. that webcam behind me. Somebody's watching me. Um, so before we get too far into it, uh, Chris, obviously your, your studio is Moonlight Kids. And the game we're talking about, of course, I don't think we've even said it yet at this point, is The Wild at Heart. That's right. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself first, how you got into game development. What's, what's your backstory, if you will? Sure. Um, I went to Georgia Tech um, in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm wow. from Atlanta originally. Yep, grew up there. Um, study. I did a weird major called computational media, which is a lot of things in games. It's kind of just one part of that and sort of bounced around between things for a while before deciding, yeah, I'm going to do video games. I didn't know that was an option as a career, but I'm going to try to do that. And so, you know, um, after school, I... Got a job at Cartoon Network Games, which is right across the street from Georgia Tech. They're based in, in Atlanta. So I was working on their games team as a producer, um, sort of liaisoning between the the studios and you know our business and third-party developers who were um, actually making, making the games. So I did that for a while, three or four years. And all through that, a little bit starting in college and all through that, me and uh, my partner, Ankith Trivedi, we were doing games on the side um, and it just kind of reached a point where we were like, man, we can't do both these things at once anymore. It's, it's too much. So we had to make the call whether to sort of give up the game development on the side or to, you know, quit our day jobs and go full on into it. And so we did the latter. Um, so we, I left cartoon and he left his job and we ran a company called crystal fish games for three, four, five, four years or so, something like that. And um, we were doing work for higher game development, uh, partnering with a studio called Tiny Monster Studios. And they did art and animation, and we did uh, game design, programming, and project management. So we, we made a ton of games with them, a lot for Cartoon Network. I sort of like immediately turned around and pitched my old department. And I was like, hey, what about us? Uh, so, you know, we worked with them, we worked with other clients, did that for a long time, met a lot of people, got a ton of experience. Um, and during all of that, I had met Justin Baldwin, who is now part of Moonlight Kids, and Alex Atkins, also part of Moonlight Kids. And they had their own company called Sleep Ninja Games, sort of doing what Crystalfish was doing, but with their own games. Um, and they had also released an indie game called Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake, which is adorable and amazing. Um. Uh, yeah, you'll probably like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Looking that up right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's great. It's really cute. Um, so, you know, long story short, I guess, Ankit and I were always trying to, the plan was always to, you know, 
scale down the work for hire, scale up the our own projects, our any stuff, you know, what everyone hopes to do, I think, one day. And the stars sort of aligned with Justin and Alex and Justin. They were sort of already starting to put the concept together for Wild at Heart, you know, both in terms of story and art. And Justin was making mock-ups and they were writing sort of lore and world building and stuff like that. Um, they had kind of been like doing that on the side of while they were still making other games for Sleep Ninja for about a year. I, I don't know the timeline exactly. It's all pretty ambiguous because, you know, when can you work on stuff on the side? But um, anyways, around late 2018, the stars kind of aligned where Crystal Fish was in a spot where we were like, had a little bit of cash, but we're in between projects. They were sort of in the same boat. We had this this idea that we thought was really cool with Wild at Heart. You know, Justin and Alex had put a lot into it already. Needed kind of to go full on into the, there was a bit of a prototype going on, but we needed to kind of go full steam into code and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, we kind of just made the decision, like, let's let's go for it. It, it was getting some action on, on Twitter and um, which is not, you know, maybe not the best metric for, for business <laughs> success, but, uh, you know, I, I think maybe one or two of Justin's tweets kind of went viral and we we're like, dang, maybe we really have something here. Um, so yeah, we made the leap. Um, late 2018 i think we officially formed midnight kits in august of 2018 um sort of just like a fresh start mm-hmm. new, new company all of us together um and yeah so we've we've kind of been working on just wild at heart moonlight kits ever since um burning through our own cash for a while there <laughs> looking for a publisher like from the get-go we knew we, we wanted a publisher like we had the vision for the game size like not just a small little game. Like we wanted to, to be a big, you know, not AAA, not 60 hours or anything, right, but, right. you know, like an experience that, you know, it's going to take time. Um, mm-hmm. And so we knew we wanted a publisher. We, we don't know anything about marketing. We've been in the business long enough to know what we're good at and what we're not. So we, we uh, hunted for a publisher and I think it was April of 2019 last year where we signed with Humble Bundle, um, which was then, the label presented by Humble Bundle and <laughs> right. has recently rebranded to Humble Games. Yeah, which is great. Um, which makes right. a lot more sense, by the way. I've commented before, I didn't ever understood the presented by Humble Bundle <laughs> company as a, as a publisher. This is much better. So Yeah, and you know they have a lot of different arms of their business. And, and um, even even then, you know, a little over a year ago now, I, I, I think most people didn't even know they were doing indie publishing. Um, yeah. Even I didn't find out about it until it was IGN bought them, right? Yeah, they had bought. I'm going to get the date wrong, but right, they they yeah. had purchased them a year or two prior, um, something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I didn't find out that yeah. they were really publishing until then. I think yeah, yeah. the news stories. I was like, oh wow, this is neat. And then it's, it's even more. It's like so IGN quasi is in the publishing business, but I remember that they're very like it's like just one of many many subsidiaries that yeah. they kind of just take on and let them run. Yeah, and you know that that was obviously a consideration when we were talking to people and talking to publishers. It's like, man, they are owned by IGN. Like, you know, you just never know. It's like, is that going to end up being a factor? But it, it mm. they promised us it it never was, and it and it shouldn't be. And like, well, it's been great. They've For the awesome. record, listeners, I have still yet to see IGN really cover the game. So <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it on Red Bull. I've seen it on a variety. Yeah. I've seen it on no, YouTube. Red Bull covered it. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen that yeah. IGN article yet. I have a list of all of our uh, all of our mentions. I, I don't think IGN was one of them. 
<laughs> so we've met some IGN folks, but uh, yeah. So yeah, um, I think that's pretty much that's the story. We we signed with Humble and sort of secured the longevity of the development and kind of been trucking along ever since. So which that's a that's a good thing. That's got to be comforting having that oh, man. piece out yeah. of the way so you can focus on you yeah, know making huge. it a reality type thing. Both in terms of pure pure time, like. I think if you know if you've never done it before, if you're just not in like the development side of games at all, you might not think about that time. Like the time mm-hmm. it takes to shop around a game is intense, and it's like it's not just sitting at your computer writing code, which is what I do now all the time, right. <laughs> or writing, you know, designing levels and stuff. It's like you're like, you know, what's the expression beating the pavement or something? Like you're out there mm-hmm. and you're emailing people, and like for me, that's it can be out of my comfort zone a little bit, you know, trying to schmooze, I guess, or whatever. And like, really like man, you're not being just... a salesman. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like, that's tough. And a lot of, you know, a lot of, especially indie game developers who are, we're all just like in our own heads and like, I just want to make a game. I think and, I first like that... caught a lot of whiff of that with indie game, the movie. And when I was watching mm-hmm. that and seeing how they're just going from show to show to show, it's like a traveling yeah. circuit. It's like, when do they ever sit down and make the game? And it's like the game, yeah. in hotel rooms and in conference rooms and at lunch and breakfast, you know? So I, I could only imagine that it's, you know, because like even like the God of War documentary, right. That came out, we saw that they had several staff that was just focused on making sure people were hitting deadlines and were on track, you know, yeah. like it's, it's a lot there's a lot more to making a game beyond just making the game itself. Yeah. And you know, we're only four people. (laughs) So yeah, it's, I mean, we, uh, we work with amazing composer and sound designer as well, who we were able to, you know, sign them on for their part. uh, Once we had funding totally secured, but you know, for the, for the most part, day to day, full time, it's, it's four of us. And to, to be trying to make the game, it's like this crazy catch 22, right? It's like, you got to make the game to be able to show the game mm-hmm. to be able to get someone to give you money to keep finish making, making, the, keep game. making the game to yeah. finish like, it. Yeah. Where in that loop do you like be like, come on, someone, we need, we need someone to, to bite here. And not that, we, you know, we were talking to a lot of people and we were very lucky and very fortunate in a lot of ways that so many people were interested in the game. So um, it's just, you know, it's just time and it's, it's the draining on in some levels. So yes, anyways, very long window away of me saying when we oh. did finally sign, it was huge. And we were like, Oh my God, we could just make the game now. It's great. <laughs> I have a couple of questions. Uh, so you, you're, you're moonlight kids for folks. Do you guys have a, a shared working space or are you doing it remotely? We are fully remote. Okay. Um, totally distributed. We, are let's see now we two of us are in atlanta that would be alex and akith um i am originally from atlanta like i said but i moved to portland with my wife in 20 four years ago is that how you came across lena at some point did you guys cross paths in atlanta like so me me and zach uh worked at cartoon together okay gotcha yeah, her, uh, her Kev, her catching you up. Yeah. Um, Chris and I both know Lena and the Zero Inbox people. Zach, you yeah, remember the, the game from Momocon? Yeah, I, I caught yeah. on their game real early um, a couple years ago, and I've been kind of talking. We have a board game podcast, so I, I've been dropping mentions about it every now and again because I actually think their idea is really, really neat. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. really I'm rooting well, for the Kickstarter because I think if people play it, and, I, and that probably be said about most board games, but I think mm, it's the best way of saying it. Like Their board game is very like common people- yeah, it has like a lowest common denominator. Like everybody can relate to that game, right? Mm-hmm. It's not difficult. You know, it's kind of like 
life or like monopoly or like sorry it's very basic in terms but it's funny and it's witty and everybody knows those emails and those things that happen in the workplace so i was like i think you guys have something here it's really really good it's it's great yeah i mean like you said that low barrier to entry that approachability but yeah. then you like it you get in and you play it and you're like oh wait this is actually fun too that's great exactly <laughs> like you don't sometimes you don't expect that from like a game that might look like monopoly or life or something mm-hmm. so yeah, i that, i'm sorry I, I got off track a little bit i do that a lot that's that's what i bring to the okay. show yeah. uh what i wanted to say was all right so with you guys being remote um i imagine that the 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 pandemic and uh, social distancing everything has basically been status quo for you guys. You guys haven't been overall impacted too much. Yeah, I mean, on a business level, not really at all. We we are all like I said, we all work from home. Two of us in Atlanta. I'm in Portland. Um, Justin is in Spokane. He used to live here, but moved back to Spokane uh, last year. And our two audio guys are here in Portland with me. But yeah, we don't have any shared working space. We all just work from home. Uh, so when when the pandemic started, you know, as far as like business operations goes, it was like, Oh, it's like weirdly normal. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're like, What's the news? Deal? Why is everything's freaking out? out. Everyone, just like... I'm like, Oh, I could tell you how to work from home. Been doing it <laughs> for right. five years. <laughs> yeah. So, so wild at heart, the wild at heart. Sorry. Let's, let's talk about that now. So give us the rundown for those that may not be familiar with it. That, I mean, we posted the gameplay video in, in our discord and everything, but for those that haven't been following, what's the rundown of the game? Yeah, sure. So from a story, and this is like a, a lot of gameplay, like you already mentioned, and I'll get into those inspirations and stuff too, but um, it's, it's also a heavily story driven game. Like, you know, we love story. Alex is a phenomenal writer and world builder. So that's, that's huge for us. So, from a story point of view, you play as uh, Wake and um, his friend Kirby, and they live in a town in the Pacific Northwest called Willowvale, and they hatch a plan to run away together. And um, in the beginning of the game, you are just Wake running away, and you stumble into like another world. You kind of get lost in the woods. I mean, he's 12. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he gets lost and ends up stumbling into this like other world, and um, there he meets these sort of like quirky order of people who are, mm-hmm. you've come to know them as the green shields, but they're like, they want to help you, but they're also a little like aloof and they're like, Oh, just follow me. Just come with me. Like we'll help you. So they're like, kind of like not listening to him, but not on purpose. You know, they're just kind of doing their thing. Um, and you also meet these force creatures called Spritelings and the Spritelings both play, you know, a story role and a world-building role, but also are huge to the gameplay. Like you already mentioned, um, Pikmin is a massive inspiration mm-hmm. for us. There are not enough Pikmin games or like what we sort of jokingly call herd likes. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Spritelings are the some of the creatures that inhabit this other world, and they are also like are really willing to help, and um, you befriend more and more of them as the game goes on. So and then, you know, I won't get into the story too much beyond there because I don't want to spoil anything, but you come to, first you just, Wake just wants to get home. And then, um, again, without spoiling anything, eventually Kirby comes into the picture as well. And she um, she is a second playable character. Um, and that sort of ties into gameplay and puzzles and things like that. But she also has a big role to play in the story as well. And then the story kind of, evolves and gets bigger as you find out what the green shields are all about and what this other world, like what's actually happening here. And there's kind of like a, a bigger 
thing going on. That's, sure. That's, that's again, I'll, I'll try to try to stay abstract here because it's a it's really good and I want people to experience it as it unfolds. But um, yeah. Right. Clearly, it can't just be a kid got lost in the woods and stumbled into another you yeah, know, universe. There's got to be some big home. things. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Done. Uh, but yeah, so the Spritelings are, you know, very much Pikmin-like. You're going to use them for your combat and to collect items and build things for you, uh, break down barriers and stuff according to the gameplay. Uh, and then Wake has his, uh, air quotes, weapon or tool, the <laughs> Gus Buster, which is, uh, right. you know, inspired between like the Ghostbusters Proton Pack and Luigi's Poltergust. Um, where you're able to suck in items, it looks like, and I'm sure there's probably maybe more uses for it later on that hasn't been revealed yet. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Does you, do you are you able to say do you use the Gustbuster for combat purposes, or is it only to collect your spritelings and your and like your crafting items you pick up? Yeah, sure, I can go into that. Um, so the Gustbuster, I haven't. I'd have to ask Justin exactly where it came from, but you, I mean, I think you nailed it as far as the inspiration goes. You know, Luigi's Mansion and and, and Ghostbusters, but it's been a visual part of wake since the very beginning. I'm pretty sure. Um, again, like Justin would know the specifics on that, but from a gameplay point of view, it also serves a number of purposes. Like if, if anyone, anyone who's played Pikmin knows like managing them is a huge part of the game. You can't just like throw them. You have to like be able to get them and get who you want and Mm -hmm. direct them and things like that. So we needed our own version of that. That just wasn't, let's copy the whistle from Pikmin. Um, So, you know, and Wake is also, he's a bit of a tinkerer, like he fancies himself kind of an inventor, um, which is kind of where the crafting comes into play as well. But he kind of made this backpack, this like vacuum cleaner backpack that he calls the Gustbuster. So it kind of plays into his character and personality, but it also is a huge tool for us for managing your Spritelings. And you have, you, over the course of sort of the intro of the game, you, it gets like upgraded, I'll say. Um, mm-hmm. And then so very quickly you have two tiers and that that's like a massive part of the gameplay so you have like the low tier which you know is a way to sort of do crowd control and get what we call idle or roaming spritelings to kind of come back to you if you just right. touch them with that they'll like oh i see you and they'll run back but then you have the hard pull which is more like physics based stuff mm-hmm. you can like physically pull spritelings off of tasks they're doing or you know pull them over water or off of high ledges and things like that so it serves a lot of purposes. And then, like you said, too, just like for vacuuming stuff up, like loose currency or items, things like that. Now, the the Spritelings we've seen, at least I've seen in the, think in the gameplay that I've seen two different kind, kind of like a nature one, which is your basic just run-of-the-mill Spritelings. And then I don't know what the ones are called, but they were like the, the rock ones. They were able to break down those crystal barriers. Uh, has more been revealed yet? Are you able to talk about how many different varieties of Spritelings there might be? Or I will talk about three. Okay. And maybe hint at at least one more. Um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the nature ones are the twiglings. Those are the guys with the little antlers. Um, twiglings. And they do nature stuff. They're immune to sort of the noxious gases of the mushrooms that are around. Um, there are some things that we haven't, like, revealed. We haven't shown any footage of or anything, but they can do some other stuff, like help plants grow. So you might be able to, I don't know, create a vine wall that you can climb up or a, sure. like a lily pad bridge. Um, they can also, we're experimenting with like having them maybe be able to like dig up stuff, like cause they're nature, they can like get into the dirt and dig up treasures and things like that. Um, that one, we, we still are prototyping. It's obviously like something Pikmin does. And sometimes like trying to find the balance of like, Oh, we're, 
we're paying homage to Pikmin or like Pikmin did that really well and also being like, oh, we need to kind of go our own way in this particular Absolutely, thing. yeah. So like the digging is one which like is right on that line for us. We're like, eh, do we do this? It's so great though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if you need it, it makes sense. I, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So those are the, the twig links. Um, you also have the, so the, the ones that were rock-based, um, they were called Peblings. We actually Peblings, that's right. changed them. I think when we showed the game at E3, which is where there is that video you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is not ours. Um, it, it's floating around the web, so that's fun. No control of it anymore. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. You know, we agreed to have the game filmed. Sure. Um, but yeah, so since I think last year when we showed that, the Peblings have become ice-based. We kind of made the call that, ah, okay. you know, kind of going back to that Pikmin inspiration thing, it's like, you know, where do we where do we kind of try to blaze our own trail here? And um, we decided to make um, like an ice-based Spriteling instead. So they, they kind of look the same with sort of those polygonal faces mm-hmm. and stuff, but they're made of ice and they kind of like shimmer. Awesome. And stuff like that. Yeah, and so they can, um, they can freeze things, um, freeze enemies in combat and still still kind of messing around with them but so far like they can do that kind of stuff they're immune to you know any hazards that put off like ultra cold they can kind of like attack those where others can't um yeah so those are the shiverlings and then we have the emberlings which we have shown off um at pax east back when the world was <laughs> functioning <laughs> um the last games event of all time perhaps. i'll say yeah that's right that, that was the last one <laughs> yeah and even then and things are getting pretty scary there but mm-hmm. um but yeah so uh the emberlings are sort of fire-based guys they look like little embers and they can um they're immune to heat and hot stuff and they can sort of spark fires on dry brambles and things like that so that's awesome yeah. this, so this makes are- me this makes me so happy because, like, it's a backstory. I, PSVG fans know there's been a, a disruption in my house since there's been a lack of Pikmin, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, years and years and years ago, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto said that, you know, Pikmin 4 is basically done, guys. It'll be here soon. And that has clearly never happened. Um, and we used, we traded in or sold the Wii U to help pay for the Nintendo Switch under the guise to my wife, who absolutely loves Pikmin even more than I do, was, oh, there'll be a new Pikmin coming like right away. No problem. At the very least, they'll port it. And there's been nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I showed this to her and she goes, oh, this looks pretty cool. Like, so it, it got me off the hot seat for now uh because she reminds me at least once a month hey remember that time you traded in pikmin and we can't play pikmin anymore and i really want to play pikmin so this is this is my saving grace for my marriage right now hopefully so this is all (laughs) great news to hear no pressure well Well, yeah no uh, pressure (laughs) for the sake of your marriage i'll i'll make a little announcement the 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 steam summer fest is next week yes um which you know was originally scheduled for this week but was delayed um and we are taking part in the Steam Summerfest, so we will have a demo out. Uh, I believe the dates are the 14th. No, sorry, Tuesday the 16th till the morning of Tuesday the 23rd. So nice. Our awesome. demo will be up live on Steam during the the Summerfest. On yeah, so that's very exciting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It'll be the first time the game. Yeah, exciting and nerve wracking, but the first time the game has been like publicly available on such a wide scale. Sure. Oh, sure. Right. 
yeah, so we're, we're, um, we've been prepping I saw, very hard for that. I saw folks playing at PAX, and I sent friends that were at PAX. I was like, go find this game. Go check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be able to go hands-on with it. I mean, when you guys send out like a demo or like a vertical slice, is it... Is the intention just to, is it to pull feedback? Is it to see how things are, are hitting? Is it to test your, you know, to test your own code? Um, it's definitely some of that. I, I would say it's like, it's, it's play testing. Like we need to see how people react, what mm-hmm. people like, what they don't like, what's working, what's not, you know, you put it in front of someone and like within five minutes, you're like, wow, I've literally never thought to do that. That's amazing. So it's like finding that kind of thing. Yeah. Some, like some testing of our, you know, like bug test testing and stuff like that but for the most part we hope what's playable in the demo is like relatively bug free sure. right, <laughs> because, right you know we don't we, we just don't want to break that experience for anyone and then the other big part of it is obviously just spreading the word and marketing yeah you know, things like that just trying to get the word out so well the summer uh, game fest is really really cool idea and it seems like keely you know has visions of taking the summer games fest to to consoles and other platforms in the future. And he was talking about that with, you know, this whole summer thing that he's doing, if that continues, I, I think it's great. I think a lot of, um, a lot of us, like, I don't know us. I don't know if that's the right word, but a lot of, at least us here at PSVG, definitely us podcasters. I think we've all thought, you know, E3 could have been more digitally available. Yeah. It would have been great to bring some of those demos that are on the show floor to people, you know, via their PCs or via consoles, let them play some of those experiences. You know, like we had the Best Buy events for a couple of years there, but you still had to go to Best Buy and wait in line. And we understand that we understand that it, it's demo, right? And it's not it's not yeah. finished product. And, it, and it's probably, right. you know, it might have issues and things like that. And like, I think most players, we have game preview and early access betas and mm-hmm. things like that. I feel like we're at a place now where folks can come to grips with that and you know not expect too much but i say all that from a player side of the house i'm not exactly sure how a developer such as yourself might see that on the other end right yeah certainly that's like a just something we talk about all the time like going to shows is one thing because we control yeah pretty much everything about the experience we yep. we're, we're there if someone gets stuck we can be like oh actually let me help you out <laughs> yeah uh we we usually we're controlling the hardware or if we're not controlling it we know way in advance what the hardware is going to be um we know the controller i mean every event we've ever been to we've just used an xbox controller like mm-hmm. and we can control that um things like that sound is not a problem like you don't need sound settings. Everyone's either going to put the headphones on or they're not. Stuff yeah. like that. Just like all this stuff. So when when we go to put it on Steam and for next week, that's kind of all out the window. People can mm-hmm. play it on whatever they want. They can use keyboard, mouse. They can plug in a PS4 controller. They can plug in a random controller I never heard of. You know, like um, yeah, just like everything I just mentioned. It's like now we have to support all this stuff for a demo, which is you know maybe in a normal game production might not come till later way later because yeah. sort of like auxiliary systems and things like that so you know there's a lot of getting ready for that um just making sure you know simple thing like things players probably don't think about a lot of it they just like expect to happen or like kind of nice to have but it's like if if i put down my controller and then move my mouse all the icons swap over to being like of course keep keyboard right. mouse stuff mm-hmm. like that like that's actually not that easy to do but it's it's something that just like needs to happen like for right. sure yeah so you know we had to do a lot of that stuff to get ready and then you know kind of what you're talking about is where's that expectation for players 
how much like goodwill are they going to give us if they hit bugs or hit something weird you know it's like i think a lot of, like you're saying donnie i think a lot of players will understand like oh, it's a demo um but we're also just very hard on ourselves like uh, that doesn't look good like we're yeah, of I course mean, yeah. we've all seen <laughs> so. youtube comments and twitter things like we i understand there's a certain level out there that you know that's why i said us may not be the best word i'm not exactly sure how many my opinion might represent it might be the the minority there i'm not sure but I understand that. Yeah, it's 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 a moving yeah. target for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not sure either <laughs> for sure, but I think that the only you know the best thing we can do is just to be super hard on ourselves, and um, I think we we because we're just in it day in day out for like you know months and months and over, you know almost two years now, we're gonna see a lot of little things that most people aren't gonna see. So mm-hmm. if we can if we can hold ourselves to that standard, I think we'll be fine. So. Now, in terms of feedback, are you hoping folks make their way to your Discord, or do you want to use the Steam communities? Or yeah, I mean, I I think yes, we hope people make their way to our Discord. That's sort of as far as the community goes. That's kind of where we are all the time. Yeah, I we have Discord open twenty four seven. Well, okay, all the <laughs> all the hours that I'm at my computer, I have Discord open. I have it open right now. Um, so yeah, twenty twenty three seven really. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> So, yes, I think we would love people to make their way to our Discord. We're, we've even talked today. I mean, unofficial, we, we need to plan it and schedule it. But we're, we're thinking about, like, okay, at the end of Steamfest or towards the end, let's do, like, a an open feedback session in the Discord. So, so anyone who has played the demo can, like, chat with us. And we can mm-hmm. do yeah. But that said, we also want to be wherever people are. So if people just like steam's community features and like the community pages that's totally except you know that's cool with us we're going to be there too so if we see things start to pop up on the community pages like we're going to be following that stuff and maybe not like you know 23 7 but uh you know we're going to obviously keep our eye on those every day and and um address things and respond to people and i've liked I'm a Steam, I'm a Discord like power user. I'm not a Steam user. I only play Steam games when I have yeah. to, really. When the game is like only on Steam, I'm like, I guess I'll do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing that. And as a, an active member of your Discord, I mean, you guys have had like your Ask the Dev sessions and I've enjoyed, I've gotten so much knowledge from just listening, just watching, you know, those conversations take place, you know, because cool. you have so many fans that have so many questions about different typings and different gameplay mechanics and sound design and stuff. And I like, I like it when you guys do those. So I'll be looking forward to that as well. Cool. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to this demo. I'm definitely going to play that next week. I might, might stream it. Awesome. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, but they're going to be a little, um, little more like news journal questions. So you, you ready right. to, you ready to dance? You ready to do the words? Yeah, let's go. Hopefully I, hopefully I know what's going on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so your platforms that you've announced are PC and Xbox. Yes. I have to ask, do you know if it's coming to game pass? Or can you say if it's coming to Game Pass, really? Yeah, yeah, I can't say anything on that yet. <laughs> okay, great. So, yeah, stay you have though. an anticipated release window that you're currently kind of benchmarking that you can share. We are we are aiming for early 2021. I think it's okay. like our, our okay. latest okay. public saying. Yeah, 
the next one is more just for you as a developer, but I mean, it's all the rage right now. So I, I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what do you think about next gen in this box that Xbox currently has? And, you know, we have the PlayStation five reveal tomorrow and you know, like, that's kind of all the rage right now. And we're about to enter a new hardware cycle and all that. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're already specking for lots of different PC builds and stuff, but does the horizon of new hardware and new capabilities, does that get you really excited? Is it just more you've got to do and more you've got to learn and things like that? I mean, it's it's always exciting. Like, I, I love that. I mean, I love when this stuff comes out and just getting to follow along and seeing what's going on. Um, one thing about our sort of style, like, it, we're just not really pushing the boundaries of what hardware can do. Sure. With mm-hmm. with our, I mean, this would probably surprise folks, but our game actually is in 3D. Um, it's like a 3D world, 3D space. Um, and a lot of the terrain and like geometry is, is 3D meshes and stuff. We just sort of spend a ton of time to get the look and the feel so that it kind of looks, it looks 2D, but you still get that like parallax and perspective moving around. But even with all that going on, like we're just really, we're not really pushing the limits of like what an, a, even a current gen console is going to be able to do. So let me rephrase. Um, I am very excited about a lot of these quality of life and program improvements that Xbox is doing things like smart delivery and, you know, supporting hard drives and plug and play and making it just super easy. The, you know, the PC and, you know, via Game Pass, PC and Xbox and xCloud. I mean, as a smaller dev team, you know, you have four people. Does having access to all of these different things or and correct me if I'm misstating this, but as is Microsoft making this avenue available for all this technology to get your game to players? Is that exciting? Like, does that make you want to support Xbox and Microsoft and in, in, in like kind of their mission? Yeah, I mean that that stuff is definitely exciting to me. Like, the more places we can be, and the the more opportunities people have to not only play our game but to get to games. Like, that's pretty cool. That's cool to me, you know, like make it more easily accessible, make it easier to distribute games to more people. Um, I, I, I mean, I will admit I'm not like super up to date on all the features and stuff, which maybe that's also surprising, but um, <laughs> you're making a game. You're busy. And, uh, yeah. Okay. And like some people would be like, well, you're making an Xbox game. It's like, yeah, yeah, we are. But you know, it's, you know, some of that stuff comes, comes later. Um, I just have this, I have this always have this, I don't know if, weird idea in my head i'm sitting here thinking like if you were if you're a developer such as yourself and you wanted to make a game for you know a console and i think most developers want to make games for all all platforms right all customer bases but the idea that if you put your game on the xbox store it's available to xbox one xbox one s xbox one x it'll be available on the xbox series x it'll be available on pc if you do game pass and people can play it from their phone via xcloud and so here's the part that I don't know, and I'm not sure if you know either, but like, is there anything that you have to do extra to your game to make that like xCloud happen? Or you just put your game on the Microsoft store and they're like, hey, do you want to stream it? Because we've got that. Yeah, I I have full disclosure, not looked into xCloud stuff okay. at all yet. Okay. So if anyone from Xbox is listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not there yet. Um, you know, I, you know, we, we, we try to stay up on the sort of the headlines and the highlights of what is going to be pertinent to us. But um, as far as like getting into the technical side of it, yeah, we've we've really just done sort of the base. Like, hey, the game runs on the Xbox. That's cool. Awesome. 
and stuff like that. So that stuff is very exciting though. And like, I mean, the game running on a phone is also kind of terrifying because I'm like, I don't know how anyone's going to control our game on a phone, but <laughs> but it's it's exciting the prospect that the game could be like so many different places and like you know more opportunities for us, more opportunities mm-hmm. for people to play the game. That's pretty cool. So yeah. Anything cool. else, Kev? No, I'm I'm just excited to get my hands on this thing. So the the aspect uh, the prospect of having the demo next week is uh is yeah. pretty awesome. So I I will definitely be playing and I'll stream it for sure. Uh, you know, Donnie will probably do the same, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to this. I've been this this to seems to forever. I, yeah, it's, it's checking all the right boxes. It is weird. I was telling Kev, Chris, before we went into this, um, because I've been planning this for a while. I've been trying to have you on for a little bit, and uh, between everything that's going on and just our schedules, you know, right. taken until now. Yeah. But um, this isn't new, and I'm I'm still somewhat shocked that I feel like we're early on yeah. on your game. You know, I'm like, and it really, I love that experience. You know, because like, you, who knows? Like, your game might become the next. ID at Xbox, darling, and then you'd, you'd be too big. You'd be too big for us. Like we couldn't get you. Like you're, you've got IGN and Gamespot, and you know, like you got all these things. You're like, I can't. I got to talk to Jeff Keeley, Donnie. I'm sorry, you know. So like, and I would understand that. So, but I'm really excited. Like I got that way with Golftopia. We're early on those. We've been early on a few, and it's it's a lot of fun for us as people just love playing video games and buying video games, being customers. Um, to I feel like when you can get folks when they're real indie, you know, like super indie, you know, it's, it's, I learned so much, even just this conversation alone, uh, your development cycle and your schedule and the mm. things you're doing and all, you know, supporting like all the, all, everything you said about releasing a demo into the wild and things. I don't think people get to hear that enough. No. And I think that's why those expectations, as you referred to, I think that's why they happen, you know, because, um, Dude, right. life's pretty sweet as a gamer right now. Like, there's thousands of <laughs> options. They're super cheap. So Everything works out. all the time. You know, mm-hmm. so, like, I can understand how unaware folks might have a little bit entitlement. Like, they're like, wait a minute. This got a bug? What is this? I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a huge advocate for just, like, talking, like, more open dialogue between... You know, hey, I, I'm totally willing to share. Obviously, we don't want to spoil the game. Of like, course. Barring that, it's like I, I love talking about what development actually looks like and um, what our day-to-day is and problems we have and things we find very exciting that other people are like, oh, I never even noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, lo- I love talking about that stuff because it, it just I think it opens a little bit of a window into um, – We don't get enough of that. And when we works. do, if I may – especially at like a at a like a triple a studio level it's very sanitized it's very prepared yeah, yeah. Know, like we don't i don't think we and i think that is why are sometimes like i said expectations come into it it's like well if we don't know you know we don't know we don't know that frostbite right. can't it's, run on switch nobody's told us why like you know like there's things like yeah. that to happen if they're just they, getting up there and showing you like the biggest shiniest version of how development looks like yeah I, that's the that's gonna help inform the expectation for sure. Yeah. Right. It's like here, here's our corporate office. Here's this room of twenty five different people working together, collaborating right now. But the realist, you know, is okay. There's you know, you're twenty five percent of the entire workforce talking to us right now, uh, yeah. and you guys are working remote, making this game that, in my mind, looks better than some of the things I've seen come out from bigger <laughs> yeah, studios. True. So, like you, yeah. you look at this thing and you can tell that the care and the heart behind it, which kind of gets. Uh, pasteurized a little bit in the messaging because it's all like marketing this marketing that where what you folks are doing at Moonlight Kids is more guerrilla marketing like yes you were on Xbox's stage talking about it but 
more of what you're doing is talking to the people, talking to us and getting that backstage view is kind of the cool thing. I think a lot of gamers don't think about, they just say, Oh, I got this game. Let me download it. Or, Oh, I got to the store. Here's this game in a box. And they don't think about the origins, where it came from, how it was you know, conceptualized that the years that go into working on it and the turmoil, you know, from studio to studio or, you know, trying to find that publisher, all the details you gave us is something I don't think enough gamers, uh, number one, appreciate or have the opportunity to really hear the true stories behind it. And it's, you know, obviously it's not just indie, like, and I could talk for days about our game and like, yeah, there's only four of us. And so my role proportionately, all of our roles is like huge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, 25% or whatever, whatever, whatever it ends up being, but the same is still true for like go to any you know 500 person studio and grab anyone on that workforce and like they are just as passionate about their mm-hmm. role on that game it's just like usually those those people don't you know the leadership there probably won't let them get on a podcast like <laughs> yes <this>. yeah yeah <laughs> talk exactly. about it at great length and, and stuff but it's like yeah i, I think indies kind of get a, a reputation for being super passionate and we obviously are but so is like you know the ui programmer on call of duty that's why we love all you guys right yeah. I mean, we love indie <laughs> games we have forever i think everybody on the team mostly mm-hmm. does yeah so um yeah we're like i said i got a list of 30 that every I, i'm not doing it every day but usually about once or twice a month i'll go through my list and i'll just start googling and stuff like mm, where's uh nice. you know where's the wild heart what, what's it doing like they haven't heard about it in a bit let's go check in on it and see if there's some new awesome. stuff out there so what are you guys playing right now well i let go of my xbox last week to get a new one that just came in today so um last week i was playing clubhouse 51 games uh with sean capri and jace uh good friends of the show and um i got an alert while it was like two in the morning we got an alert that xbox had cut the cyberpunk xbox edition by a hundred dollars it was originally three ninety nine with the game and the controller like there's the collector's edition right and that was two ninety nine and my first reaction was, I bet I could sell my Xbox for more than that. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I totally did. It sold that morning. I listed it before I went to bed. It sold that morning. When I woke up, it had sold. I bought the, the new one. So that arrived today. So, um, I mean, it's, it's great. I, I, took twi- the, I put pictures of it on Twitter and videos and stuff. It's got a little boot up menu and everything. So I haven't, played, I haven't been playing my Xbox for the last six days because of that. Um, but I won't go into all about the console. You guys can read about the console. There's like a mini documentary Xbox channel about how they made the console. Um, but I really like it. I got the game. I got the flip. So that was great. I didn't pay anything out of pocket. I actually netted a little bit. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, nice. I did want to say awesome. one of the things that I loved that no other console can even come close to. These, and it's such a minor detail. But these are the things that I love about playing games on Xbox and why I want to buy my games there. Kevin... I took the, the console out of the box, I plugged it into the TV, I turned it on. It obviously, what, what does every console do? We've got an update for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts downloading the update. While it's downloading the update, they're like, hey, do you want to set this up? Sign in on your phone. Oh, so nice. I sign yeah. in on my phone and it just pulls all of my Xbox profile and they're like, we'll take care of this. So by oh, the time the update cool. had downloaded, my Xbox, just like the one that I, that I sold on Saturday, right. pops up just like it, it was. I plug in my hard drive all my games Boom. are there. I didn't oh, have to. Awesome. I didn't have to run an installer. I didn't have to flash wow. it. I didn't. It just plugs and plays. And I was like, "Why doesn't everything work? <laughs> like this that's is so amazing. easy. I love it. It's great. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. 
Um, for me, I, I'm playing uh, Clubhouse games as well uh, and Animal Crossing on Switch. Um, it, this is going to be bad for an Xbox show. I currently can't play Xbox um, because I'm also playing uh, The Last of Us 2 mm. right now uh, for a review embargo that comes up in a couple days. So I've had to kind of dive headfirst in on that for the time being on PlayStation. But yeah. <laughs> Out of the three of us on an Xbox show, none of us are playing Xbox. Right yeah, I was up until this this fell into my lap, <laughs> yeah, and then I, I had was, to put the Xbox aside. I was but, playing yeah. Maneater, and um, yeah. I was playing a little cool. bit of that, and I was playing PGA Tour Golf, getting ready for that. I've been playing that, so I've been playing some things, and uh, I was in Mafia too. But mm-hmm. and yeah, it flipped my Xboxes, so I had to take a few days off. But man, the new one's hot, and I tell you, I think it looks better in person than it did. I wasn't like super sold on it when I got it. Now that I have it, I'm like, I'm really glad I got it, especially mm-hmm. the controller. Controller looks a lot better than I thought it did. It's, it's much more like shiny, like chromey than than I ever anticipated from the oh, marketing okay. stuff. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that it definitely came out of the box, kind of with some reflection and stuff. I was like, oh, that's 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 quite good. I was playing a idea at Xbox game, uh, those that remain. Ooh, how oh, is yeah. that? That I, I talked a little about on Prime. Uh, I was enjoying it. Um, it was less horror than they kind of marketed it towards, but the game just has a sense of making you feel uncomfortable mm. uh, because the premise is you're kind of working through the story where ultimately you decide people's fates, uh, essentially. But your goal is to navigate these these set pieces, uh, these houses or buildings or whatever, but you have to stay in the light. Right. Um, anytime you're in the darkness, there's just these shadow figures with glowing blue eyes, just all standing there, like 20 of them in a row, just staring at you. And if you go too far into a room that's dark, the screen just shakes and it ends like you have to reboot back in. Uh, so essentially you have to find ways to navigate and get lights on so that these figures, uh, dissipate and kind of disappear. But, uh, kind of just gave you an an uneasy sense versus a a horror effect, but it was pretty cool. It reminds me of that guilt game that's on Stadia. That's why I wanted to look into it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like an Alan Wake type vibe. Mm. Yeah, it, it is with a little less. It's definitely more walking simulator. Sure. Um, With some horror aspects. Like Alan Wake was a little bit more involved. This is more just go here, find this item to get to this place to do this thing. It's not uh, very light puzzly effects, essentially. Okay. I'm going to try but, it once I get cool. downloaded yeah, to the new Xbox. You should. I recommend. You, Chris, what have you been playing? When you're not working. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Alan Wake, I just finished Control. Nice. Nice. Which was very cool. Yep. My game of the year last year, personally. Mm, awesome. I love that game. My, my game of the year last year was Outer Wilds by Mile. But mm. Yes. I could, yes. That was I mine mean, too. Have me on again. I'll talk for hours about that game. <laughs> I love that game so much. Um, control, Animal Crossing. My wife has really taken over our island, though, so she's doing most of the work there. Um, what else am I playing? Uh, League of Legends every now and then with my brother. Okay. <laughs> cool. And yeah, Ori 2. Yes. Amazing. <sighs> That's very probably my game of the year this year. It's my leading. It's, it's my lead good. candidate. Yeah. It's, I love it. I, I Kevin yeah. doesn't. Um, so we were very. <laughs> Oppose on this. Uh, I think Ori 2 is the best Metroidvania game I've played like in modern times, like last two generations. Than Knight, maybe? Huh? I, I couldn't beat Hollow Knight. No, Donnie had a gr- love hate uh, with Hollow Knight. The Soul Master uh, like Hollow. broke me. It just like crushed me. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I, I could do Ori. And uh, okay. it took me a bit, but I got through, I got all the way through Ori 2. And um, for a platformer, I think it was one of the more. 
touching i don't know if like stories i mean there's definitely story but it's not necessarily it's like an experience you're experiencing the yeah. world in the way it's that like that game show. does it mm-hmm. and uh i think it's just the i'm a sucker for art um i think more than yeah. more than a lot of a lot of folks maybe kevin do you think that's fair yeah yeah i'm a real sucker for art so like anytime i get something that looks that beautiful mixed with the music and kind of the sentimental stuff and it starts putting all that together it's right down my alley i'm a big life is strange fan you know things like that oh, so yeah. you know like and ori was just and plus uh the thing that i said most about ori because we haven't really had a chance to talk about an xbox empire mm-hmm. um i was really impressed with the platforming sections that i cleared when i finished the game like there were moments in the game where i was like i can't believe it just did that i can't believe <laughs> i shot this over the thing ran through the tunnel jumped missed the spikes caught it in midair to launch yeah. me to the next platform like the way it taught me i i said it i one of the things i did say when i was playing is i used the entire controller you know yeah. it was yeah. not like a That's mario right. or like a samus you know like a b you know you know double jump type thing mm-hmm. i used the entire thing it almost requires you to like become an adept player at it you it's know? like it's one of those games where i always talk about it it's like where you f- you like forget about the controller yes it's like it's like it's just going like straight from my brain to the screen you know it's like everything is just mapped so well and they teach it so well and you just like man it feels amazing like, it feels amazing it trains you yeah. i mean that's like the best way of putting yeah. it like you just conditions you to doing and by the end and it doesn't and i guess the the thing that i find most fascinating and this is me as a player i have no idea like what this comes like from from the dev side but I never felt like it was hard. Like Hollow Knight got to a point where it's like, I can't do this. Oh, it's yeah. too it's hard. hard. Yeah. <laughs> Ori never, I never felt like I was like, I can't do this. Even when I died, I was like, I can do this. But right. there was a point, you know, from hour one to hour 10 or hour 10, I'm flying across. Like I'm basically flying. Yeah. Like, like superhero. Yeah. Status. I'm moving yeah. through the entire world doing all of these combinations. But uh-huh. the way it taught me up to that point, I would not have told you that it was hard or hard to pull off. I was like, oh, no, I've done this a hundred times already. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. I guess that's design. Very well designed, yeah. I would say. It's a lot of, like, I mean, the, they probably just put so much into, like, the game feel and all the, like, tiny millisecond minutia of how stuff feels. But then also, like you're saying, like, level design and pacing and, like, rolling out new abilities and how you learn them and where you learn them and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's so well done, yeah. And I want to say, I can't remember the specifics, but I feel like between Ori 1 and Ori 2, they hired a different level designer. I wish I remembered that. I think story. it shows. When I beat Ori yeah. 2, because mm. I, I really liked Ori 1, too. I, I've been a, oh, yeah, a fan too. of that one yeah. for a while. But when I finished Ori 2, I immediately took to Twitter to post my little 280 you know character <laughs> review. And yeah. I immediately was like, Ori doesn't, in my opinion, Ori 2's it's better all around and it's 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 so weird because it's like if I thought Ori 1 was an 8 then I think Ori 2 is a 28 it's like (laughs) you know like they feel like they're not comparable I'm like Ori 2 is so much better yeah they they really ramped it up in every way yeah they did yeah Kev you should replay Ori we'll see I understand it's not it doesn't have to be for for everyone but it's 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 a beautiful game like I I have no qualms about that it's a stunning game it's I just, they don't hold my attention long enough. Like, I, I think I sunk sure. maybe six, six to eight hours into the Ori 2, um, which I will say I definitely enjoyed much more than Ori 1. Um, so it got bonus points for me there, but it wasn't enough to hold and keep me 
um, that's invested a good in it. Of time though, six yeah. to eight hours. I feel like you experience the game, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's how I feel these days. I'm just like, there's so many games I don't finish, but I'll play for a few <laughs> hours because I just like I want to see what it's all about. And like, hey, okay, I got that. <laughs> it's funny you say that because we were talking about that while Ori happened. I, I, I don't remember what it was, Kevin, but yeah. I remember I was putting off games because yep. what happened to me the first time I played Ori was I played about half of it. I started playing something else because of that reason, because I think we're all that way. Or I don't know if that's a blanket statement. Us three, by you just admitting to what you just said, us three no. are that way. <laughs> yeah. We all are definitely that way. Uh, we hop around games a lot, Kevin and I. We're constantly in and out of different games. Yep. Yeah. And, Ooh, uh, what's shiny? Yeah, yeah by the time the I got time. back to Ori, it's like I had no idea what I was doing. I completely, like, I don't think Ori is a game for that. Like, you need to commit to right. being Ori. And uh, yeah. yeah, with the sequel, I definitely did. Like, I put off, we had two or three Switch games and things come out. And I was like, I am playing Ori. Until yeah, I the came the out end. there, there, there was something. Yeah, there was a couple things. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of games, so Xbox did announce. I think we should touch on this briefly here, at least. Uh, some new Game Pass entries coming in. Yes. Not the Wild of Heart yet. We'll see. But Bard's Tale Remastered is dropping on June 18th. We have Dungeon of the Endless June 11th. All of the Kingdom Hearts, except yeah. for three dropping tomorrow as we're recording so today as you're listening to this if you're not watching live which is pretty awesome um because i haven't revisited those games since playing them on ps2 uh so i I may jump in and kind of check out and see what that's about uh no man's sky is coming to console and pc which i did pledge um we talked about this previously on empire that i do want to get to try that out as well uh throne breaker uh june 18th and grounded is coming on well the game preview is coming on june 16th which i'm also it's part of that steam fest yeah, um, and yep. uh, No Man's Sky is crossplay. Yep, yeah, crossplay is launching the day and date with yeah. it with this dropping in Game Pass, which is awesome. Oh, that's exciting. Hmm. Um, Johnny, one of the things you mentioned with your console, mm-hmm. no more game codes, huh? Digital Direct. You know, I mentioned how easy it was. Um, so you know, normally you get a you get a console and you'd have the codes, and you remember Xbox played around. You may not remember this when Xbox originally launched the one. With Connect, they started giving you Connect readable codes, so you didn't have to type oh, them okay. in. You could hold yeah, yeah. the little receipt up to the camera, <laughs> and it would read the QR code. Which um, those QR codes suck. I feel like you'd probably be able to type that in quicker than trying to get that thing to focus on those things. I, I actually worked pretty well. I, I, oh, okay. I did it a couple of times. It actually was fairly snappy. Um, but that aside, you know, it's always kind of like a rigmarole just to do it. Um, so now they're just registered to the box. So like when I hooked up my Xbox today, Cyberpunk, after it installed the update and everything, and I signed in with my Xbox account, and it was like, would you like to claim a free month of Game Pass? And I was like, yes, I would. Would you like to claim your free version of Cyberpunk? Sure. And that's it. And there's nothing in the box for me to claim or anything. So this has been somewhat divisive, because I tweeted about mm. it, and I had some people that I think were like me, like, that's cool, it's easy, I don't yeah. have to type the code in anymore. There are other people like, oh, now I can't sell the code. And as a person who flips things, I got to say, I appreciate the second option, but I also thought about it. I've never sold a code in a box that I bought. Right, right. We, <laughs> so, we've seen people in our community that did it with the, uh, was it the NBA 2K whatever that came with the console? We had a couple people buy that, that bundle sense. and say, I have no interest in this game. That makes we'll sense. Sell it and make some 30 bucks or 15 bucks, whatever back. Typically, when I buy a console with a pack-in, it's usually because of the pack-in. Sure. Typically, yep. when I'm buying the console. Quantum Break, Last of Us Remastered, Cyberpunk. 
Hmm. That was the you know the biggest reason why I flipped it um, because like I said I, I didn't have a huge affinity for the design. The biggest reason why I flipped it was because I had already bought Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like what sixty seven dollars or something yep. like that after taxes and everything. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the console plus the controller and the game for three hundred, and I was already seventy into it. So it's like yep. two thirty. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm looking at eBay prices. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I can get the game back for free, and I did. I mean, that's basically what happened. Ah, but nice. Nice. I no, thought it was I, cool. I'm wondering what happens if you. So you let's say you sell that console to me. Yeah. Is the game no, attached been, to the console, or it's redeemed to the? It's already been okay. redeemed. It's redeemed that's what to I was the account, like, you, account. Okay. That you log into now. You don't have to redeem it, and there is the interesting part. Because I was wondering on the other side, you know, damn well somebody's going to call Xbox customer service and be like, "I don't know what happened. I tried to redeem it, and I couldn't." Sure. I guess they can look into their accounts and just give it to them or make sure it wasn't redeemed to to another account. Yeah. They can probably even remove it and re-redeem it to another one. So it might be easier. Um, I liked it. I did. I thought it was nice and easy. Like I said, I had a dude, I set the thing up today in five minutes and it was Mm. right back to where I like all the games installed instantly. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I have four and a half terabytes of games on my hard drive for their Xbox that I could play in two minutes. You imagine how long it would take to re-download? <laughs> oh, forget that. Um, I think the last thing too, I want to point out: the Halo Master Chief Collection is adding Halo Three ODST Firefight later this summer. Chris, are you a Halo guy? Uh, I did recently get the remastered or the Master Chief Collection, Master Chief Collection. Yeah? on Steam. So you're yes. you're with me. I, I'm new to Halo. For somebody who man's an Xbox show, I'm not a Halo person. I'm oh, Gears I'm not person. New- I'm not new to Halo. I okay. just haven't really played it since like three. Gotcha. Okay. So, but my, my, again, my, mentioning my brother again, but we used to play Halo and Halo 2 so much. So Ooh. <laughs> when, they, when the Halo 2 launch was coming around with the Master Chief Collection, yep. I was like, all right, I'm going to get this. Nice. Actually, I think he got it for me for my birthday now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, so I have been playing um, the Halo 2 in there, the anniversary, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I did the yeah. same. So, yeah, uh, I it's played. Great. It's really good. I played the original Halo on the original Xbox. I wasn't like I was into. I'm Fable, you know, gear. Like, I was more of that, so I wasn't as into it then. Um, so when the Master Chief Collection came around, I was like, you know, this is kind of a blind spot for me. Like I've enjoyed these consoles for so many years. I'm gonna get back into Halo and I'm gonna try to do it. So I played all through Halo One and I was like, that's okay. I played through all Halo Two and I was like, that's okay. And I immediately can feel the cringe of the masses everywhere. It's like Halo Two is amazing. It's like ah. I'm just not <laughs> multiplayer shooter person, right? Yeah, about, I've only been playing multiplayer. Yeah, I got about halfway through three and I just kind of stopped. I was like, all right, I, I've, I've I've had enough. Like I've done it. Um, right. But I played Reach with friends. I had yeah. friends that were like, you need to play, mm. you know, communal Halo because that's the thing that I think was missing. I'm playing it completely as like a Call of Duty single player campaign focus. And I had a blast playing Reach, and Reach is, to this point, Reach has been my favorite. But here's the interesting thing. I, I started looking up ODST. Previous host, Nathan, told me forever that he thought ODST was down my alley. And from what I know about ODST, I think he's right, Kev. ODST's got Horde, which is a firefight, yep. right? Yep. I do that all the time in Gears. And sure. the story is like this starship troopers. You're not like superhero bouncing yeah. and floating in the air. You're a band of dudes... You know, like, like they all have like their own quirks and everything is very gears ish. I don't know if that's the right, but I was talking about it in chat today. I was like, 
I had a lot of Gears vibes, kind of like just structurally. You know, it's definitely yeah, still yeah, Halo not gameplay wise, right? Yeah, 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 structurally. And I was like, that's more my jam. And a lot of people like the story. Yeah, it's funny. You're you've been appreciating the non-traditional Halo games more than the traditional ones. Like, oh, is Master Chief in this one? Nah, I don't want this one. Kind of. Give me the ones where it's a no-name guy that dies probably. Well, you know me. You know, space multiplayer. Yeah. These are not my things, right? And yeah. like the Cortana yeah. and the Halo ring and the, the Covenant. I'm like, dude, who cares? <laughs> right? But you give me Reach where there's like, you know, it's like this Jurassic Park planet and they've got to get off before, you know, they all die. You know, I was like, okay, I can get into the story. It's a little bit more grounded, a little bit more my style so excited this is good um we'll talk about next week because we're running out of time yeah but i did want to say like you know like june doesn't have a whole lot you know like this is like our like our first episode you know like june like june outlook and uh we were expecting some noise from xbox that we'll talk about next week that is maybe not coming so i was happy to hear this news actually because while it may not be coming out like right now it just adds another little thing in there because um not to say that there's not things to look forward to, because there are definitely like indies and 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 no. ports and things that are coming. But like, I think the next it's quiet. It is kind of quiet. Like the next mm-hmm. tentpole release is Wasteland, I think. Yeah, like in August. And like I know, you gotta like, think. You gotta think when the most exciting thing going on was Clubhouse Games Fifty One that there's something <laughs> different going on in the game uh, environment right now. You know, I need to check this out because one of the other podcasts I listened to was he was talking about it today. So it's fun. Nice. I was like, okay, now everyone's talking about it. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is fun. It's a good time waster. It's a good distraction from uh, life right now. Yeah, you were uh, spot on sure. saying that. You know, if this had launched instead of one two switch. You know, yeah, brainer. It's this should have been this should have been the pack in with the switch. I think like it's that kind of yeah. hey, find all the different ways it's you like, can play this game, and anybody can pick it up and play. It's the Wii Sports of I was gonna say Wii Party generation. Yeah, yeah, Wii Party. Yep, yeah. yep. Same same spirit. Same thing. Yep. Um. So for the sake of time, everybody, we're gonna end things with the same way we do every week, and that's with the Xbox One question, where we take one question from you in the audience and pose it to the panel. So this week, I'm picking the one from Mr. Sean Capri. So Chris. Let's say you're in the room when okay. Don Matrick decided that the Xbox One was in fact going to be called Xbox One. What do you do? Do you immediately tell him to resign? Do you agree? <laughs> and if you were to call the Xbox One something else, what would it have been? Oh man, what's my what's my role at the company in this scenario? You're you're the big boss, you're the head honcho. You're in the room and you're like just you you get the final sign off on everything. I would probably just say no, try again. <laughs> I like if that. I have that, kind of, that is have that smooth. Kind of power. It's cold, but smooth. I mean, no. I don't know. What would I call it instead? Guess you can't do the Xbox Three because that's the 360 kind of really confused that issue. That that kind of leads into my answer. I don't know what I'd call it, but here's what I was gonna say. I like that Xbox doesn't just do numbers because that's mm-hmm. what PlayStation does, mm-hmm. and I feel like. Yeah, they have the, to be different. The 360 to me wasn't a number, really. It felt more like a tagline. You know, right. like I wasn't like looking at it as like, you know, it's not like 64 where it's like 64 is a, a number that really meant something. You know, it was like 360 was almost like symbolic, you know, than the actual number itself, right? Unless somebody's going to tell me there was actually 360 processors or something into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. something I yeah. don't know about it. But like to me, it felt more like a tagline and like the whole swoosh and the swirl and, you know, only the whole eternity loop and all that stuff that it was doing infinite loop and all that like i was kind of 
into it. And I, I like, and I, and I said that when they announced the Series X, I like Xbox that does that because it feels more techy and it feels more PC. And I feel like that's Microsoft's like sweet space. And I know every time we get consoles that drop, Kevin, you know exactly where I'm going with this. We're going to have the grandma analogy that I hate so much. I don't know where these grandmas are. I've been to a lot of game stores. I've bought a lot of things. I've never seen grandma buying the stuff. Like so, um, But uh, I don't think it's that hard to deal with. So I would prefer that they get away from numbers altogether, to be quite honest with you. Sure. So, But it definitely didn't make any sense. We go Xbox, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. I'm yeah. surprised Matrick got got off with like half of what he got off, man. Um, I've said this every time I bring up Don Matrick. I remember IGN... Australia had a podcast during the Xbox's launch. Guys, I'm telling you, I wish they would release all of the Matrick cuts. The IGN Australia team used to do skits making fun of Don Matrick to start every show. And they had this guy that had like this squealy, weaselly type voice. And he would just get on there and he'd be like, guys, I'm telling you, the TV's where it's at. And they would just do these little skits. It was like Saturday Night Live for video games. And I adored it. I was dying laughing week after week. It was so good. I don't understand how Matrick got everything he got done. Like the, oh God, we can't, we don't have time to go through all of them. But <laughs> no. like the whole, we have a console for you. It's a 360 that he said, I think it was like a person who was in the armed forces. He said that too. It's just like, dude, read the room. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> just, just tell it's, him. <laughs> yeah, I, like if I if I was in that room and, and that was the the thing that came up, I'd just probably look at him and be like, "Are you drunk? Like right now? Like the Xbox <laughs> One came out 15 years ago. It was our first Xbox. Uh, what I would name it, I don't know, but I think Donnie's like completely on point with Don Matrick. Like, how did he get? Did like, buy with a lot. <laughs> like, really right? A I lot. mean. Like, Let's look at it this way. So previously, before this, he was head of Zynga, mm-hmm. CEO of Zynga. So he's oh, right. that guy is responsible for Farmville. Let's just let's just go back there. I think that explains it himself. Like somehow Farmville led to this dude being allowed to call the Xbox the Xbox One. I'm with you, Donnie. Have- though it should be get rid of the numbers. Look at Nintendo. Nintendo's never used the numbers except for like N64, but that's different. And it had 64 um, bits, right? It meant something. Right, right. I, you know, call it the Xbox. I don't know. But just like, you know, Series X is, is a closer step, I think, is the what I'd rather see is just don't name it a number. Uh, you know, give it some pizzazz. Call it the Game of Sphere or whatever, like South Park, whatever you want to do. Just give it something <laughs> different to to distinguish itself from the marketplace. So number one, that appeases the people who have that grandma syndrome where grandma goes in and bought me an Xbox and turns out somehow she got an Xbox from 20 years ago. I don't know how that happens. But it, it distinguishes people being confused like they'll know right away okay well this is what this is called there's nothing else called this so i can get this you know super nintendo entertainment system there's only one thing called that no problem uh you say i want a playstation dude call yeah there's only one out there right now but you never know just rip off nintendo super (laughs) xbox it's better than xbox switch mega um but yeah i don't know how i don't know how we got away with it either so i I don't don't he does have like a tech wonderkin kind of like a ryan from the office like type rise where he gets like in this startup, it hits big and yeah. it like goes all the way to the top of Xbox to just fall. I mean, he, Zynga, Microsoft, EA, he was in leadership positions at all those. Um, so I don't know. He had a giant VCR that had a camera that you had to have that was only 900p that did TVs. Like it was all about watching ESPN through your Xbox. I mean, it was a mess. 
that he called the Xbox One when it was the third one. It was the whole thing when you look back is just a giant debacle. You know what? I'm, I'm looking it up right now, and he's Canadian too. So Sean Capri, it's actually your fault. You sent in the question. It's your fault. So <laughs> we're just we're just gonna go there. Um, all right. So that's gonna bring us to a close for today. Before we kind of sign off and give our due diligence, uh, Chris, where can people find you? Connect with you? Find out more about the Wild at Heart and, and Moonlight Kids? You know, do your plugs. Yeah, sure. Well, I am on Twitter at, at Chris Sumsky if you feel like following me. I don't really tweet that much. But more importantly, the game can be followed either at our website, which is moonlightkids.co, which is the game page is also hosted there. Uh, we are on Twitter at moonlightkids underscore. And our Discord is a random link with a bunch of characters in it. So you should go to a, our website for that and follow a link. Kevin, yeah. you're muted. We'll put the Discord Sorry. link in the in the show notes. That's so what they exactly you're listening, saying. folks. Yeah. Look down, <laughs> scroll up on the notes that nobody reads, find the link, and just click it. Just click there. Yeah, and our website, uh, the game page on our website has all the links: Discord, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can wishlist us on Steam, and you know, set a reminder for next week because there will be a demo available. Ooh. And we yeah. will we will let people know as well. Believe you me, I, I will be playing this for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, so, so okay. I was gonna say if you do if you do join our Discord, we like I said, we are gonna try to do something special just for our Discord people, like maybe another AMA or or something like that, kind of in conjunction with Steamfest. I think that's sort of our plan. So. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for taking yeah. you know the last hour and fifteen minutes to kind of slum it with us for a little bit and talk about uh, what, at least for me, is is shaping up to be a highlight. Uh, you know, tentatively for twenty twenty one at this point, um, but something to look forward to for sure, and to get my hands on with uh, next week. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been really fun. Awesome. Uh, Reminder, everybody, head on over to psvg.blog to find all the links to everything we do as well as our Discord, and you can find those lovely show notes to find all the information on the Wild at Heart there. Um, But as always, everybody, in the wise words of uh, Uncle Phil, just remember, there is no power greater than X. Mm -hmm.